Hello, and welcome to the M&A Stories podcast. I'm Robert Heaton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Toby Tester. These 10-minute podcasts are focused exclusively on post-M&A integration. And in each episode, we will talk through case studies and draw on our own experiences with the intention of highlighting the good, bad and the ugly to leave you with valuable lessons on how best to ensure success in your M&A integration. So let's get this podcast underway. Toby, how are you uh, you doing this uh, morning? Oh, fabulous, Robert. Fabulous. Well, it's a beautiful um, sunny day here in Sydney, so couldn't be any better. And I uh, hear you've been talking to the Queen's carriage builder over the weekend. <laughs> Look, I had a, a great weekend um, here in Manly. Uh, and funny enough, on Saturday, got to meet a guy who builds carriages for the Queen. How about that? Here in Manly. Would you believe it? <clears throat> Fabulous. I think they've been, been on TV before or certainly subjected <laughs> a, a, few, uh, a few stories in the papers. Yeah, know. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's what happened my Saturday. Fabulous stuff. Well, uh, sort of a bit of a link into this because I'm, I'm um, going to talk about a beautiful uh, ancient area of France called Chartres. Now, Robert, I got it. Uh, so this is like a story, you know, you're going to tell. And when you started outlining the story to me, I thought, well, this is actually extraordinary. This is an amazing part of uh, France you're in. So, you know, tell us what Chatre is about. Chatre is about an hour from Paris. It's right on the edge of the Loire Valley. It's a beautiful French town, you know, beautiful architecture, stone bridges, you know, the, there's beautiful food and wine in every direction I'm sure there is want to you know look but it also happens to be where a, a family business was running a family engineering business yeah uh, and the story that I'm about to talk to you about is is uh, about this family-owned business and how it moved into a management buyout that, that almost went wrong but it right. turned out actually very very well I so I've set the scene, Chartres, beautiful area. Uh, even my hotel was an 18th century French chateau. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just ideal. Now, now, Robert, how were you so lucky to get an opportunity like this to um, work there? I still don't know, except that you know, <laughs> I, I was asked if I would go and help. Part of it was because it was an engineering company. You know, the location just yeah. uh, was an added bonus. Right. Uh, the interesting thing about this one, was that so this company had been started many years before by the founder a gentleman by the name of Gilles Lombre right right uh, <clears throat> it got to his 70th birthday and as a gift to his uh, employees it, he handed over the entire company to them on his retirement <laughs> um, <clears throat> and, and, and they became the shareholders and owners of the of a quite a successful engineering business. I mean, he was he had contracts with uh, Renault, Citroen. Right. Uh, okay. They were, they were producing you know components for for those companies. Right. Um, and so it was a sort of a management buyout. Right. Um, in that I was there to help the transition. 
put the business on a corporate footing because yes. a, a lot of the systems, the policies, the governance, all of that yes. up until this point had all revolved around gin. Yes. And, and so they needed to be, I can't think of the word I want to use, but more solid. In terms well, of I was going to say corporatized because um, yes. I know, Robert, yeah. we've talked about this before and I've worked with family businesses. And obviously when the patriarch moves on, you're getting shareholders involved you need to go through a sort of a corporate process in other words get proper boards set up and organization structure and policies etc etc so it sounds like that's what you're involved in exactly that and you know one one example of that was that pre-buyout if there was a a decision had to be made you just wandered down to the end of the corridor where Gilles office was and he he made a decision that was it (laughs) Um, and that was part of the problem it actually might I might just feed into that Okay. Because the the whole idea was that Gilles retired, you know, the company was being handed over to the, the employees. The existing management team was then going to run the business and Gilles was going to enjoy his retirement off on his farm in the Loire Valley. <clears throat> and certainly the project was going well in terms of some of the things that we had to do. But the, the key problem was Gilles himself. He just couldn't let go. <clears throat> right. And the best way I can describe this is to describe the building. So you went into the reception and there was this big long corridor and it was organized in business sequence. So the the, the office at the front was sales and then, then behind that was planning and behind that was procurement, behind mm. that was production planning and so on. And um, that it was, it was organized in that sequence. Now, Gilles would regularly turn up his, his, his office was left exactly as, as as he'd left it nobody took on that office yeah. he'd often turn up with the intention of spending a few hours reading the local newspapers in his office where he wasn't going to be disturbed or you know yeah. a bit of peace quiet and absolutely no problem with that and people loved seeing him but he would stop off at the sales office to announce that he had a glass of wine with his friend Omri last night and they were now going to produce a small batch of components that Henri needed urgently right and um, that would throw the sales office into chaos so so Gilles would then say that didn't matter you know just put it into the books and he would want the next door into planning and tell them slot this small order into the regular production run yeah and by the time he got to his own office there was complete chaos across the business because everybody was they, yeah. they were so dedicated to him and so loyal, but he kept turning up with these small orders for his friends. Yeah. Um, that that threw the production process into chaos. <laughs> right. And and to make matters worse, the the last office before Gilles was finance. And he would go in there and tell them about the small order and yeah. then that he'd done it at a special price for Omri. So not only only was the business in chaos, but they were about to make an order that wasn't profitable. Okay, so it sounds like Gilles obviously had good intentions, but he was actually creating havoc in in this new management structure with its own delegation of authority and processes and ways of doing things. And he was basically putting everything into disarray. Pre, pre-retirement, he'd been very busy. Yeah. Post-retirement, he'd started talking to all of his old friends. Yeah. One time or another had been customers for the business. And then 
basically agreeing to do small orders for them as a favour. Yeah. And uh, complete chaos in the business. <laughs> so uh, the thing was, it was happening a little bit too frequently for this to be, you know, accommodated. Right. Um, so what was the answer to this? What did the management uh, decide to do? Well, part of the problem was exacerbating was the fact that Gilles' nephew, Jean-Paul, yeah. um, had been assumed into the position of general manager of the business. And so the rest of the management team were, were a bit cautious about, uh, they didn't want to approach Jean-Paul because he always sided with his uncle's view on things anyway. Right? Yeah. Um, and so I got a visit by a delegation of the management team yeah. who, who wanted to talk to me about this interruption and how it was causing complete chaos in the business and what to do about it. Right. And so we, I can still see myself now. We, we were having this conversation. Nobody wanted to upset Gilles. You know, they all yeah. just handed over the entire business to them all. Yeah. So they decided that the only way to deal with this was to meet with Gilles and politely help him understand that his interruptions were, were causing chaos. Right, right. That, that was, that was the, the decision. And, and, and who do they think they, who was the best person to do that then? <laughs> well, that's just one. Because I'll give you one guess. <laughs> <laughs> Me, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I thought, oh, great, I'm doomed. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's all over. <laughs> Up until now, everything was going so well. Yeah. So you're 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 kind of like the fall guy. You're going to have to tell uh, him, you know, put him back, put him back in his box. That's it. Yeah. It was. It's up to me to to fix the issue. Right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and the one thing I was quite certain about, I, I didn't have the charisma or communication skills of Barack Obama. So, <laughs> you know, this was going to be easy. So it was going to be a rather uh, delicate sort of exercise here to to let the patriarch know that he should back out and not be meddling in yeah. everyday business. Yeah, yeah. The, the actual location of this, I actually went out to his farm to visit with him on the farm. Ah, okay. Uh, and we, we sat together in the kitchen and I thought, well, there's only one way to deal with this. Just tell the story I've just told you. Yeah. Uh, and just lay it out. Yeah. Um, and and I'll give him his due. Listen to me carefully. Yeah. And he thought about what I was saying. And, and then without any hesitation, he, he, he accepted that his interruptions weren't helping. And he, and he okay. realized what he'd been doing. Well, that's a positive um, that he realized the error of his ways. Yeah, and, and he had the good fortune to, to accept that. Yeah. Uh, but it got better uh, right. because, because he then thought that this was the right environment for having a conversation about Jean-Paul, his nephew. Yeah. And that that probably wasn't helping either. Right. And that having his nephew in place probably wasn't the right, the best person to be running the business. Right. And that he thought that Andre, who was one of the, the other senior managers in the business, would be readily respected by the rest of the management team. Mm. And, uh, and, and here was Gilles telling me that maybe they needed to change the GM um, right. as well. Right. So, so you know, not, not only are we going to resolve the issue with Gilles, but now Gilles telling me that Jean-Paul could be an issue because of his family connection. Yeah, okay. uh, and that maybe, maybe he should be replaced. 
Right. Okay. okay. And Gilles decided that, well, you know, that sooner rather than later, and the best thing was for someone to talk to Jean Paul. Yep. And uh, I guess who Gilles thought that should be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Me again. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, I was as delighted at being given this challenge as I might have been if someone said I was going for an endoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Robert. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I remember uh, a former business mentor of mine, hmm. very prominent senior executive, and he always had this saying, when a decision's been made, Act swiftly, but always act with fairness. That was his yeah. guiding principle. Yeah, I thought, good. okay, you know, I thought, okay, this is one of those situations. There's no option here. Yeah. Uh, what I actually did was pre-tested the idea of Andre assuming GM position yeah. uh, with the, the other members of the leadership team. And without any hesitation, they all said, oh, that would be ideal. Yes. But but, oh, God, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get Jean Paul to stand down. He's the nephew, you know, it will, yeah. uh, it will be embarrassment to him and et cetera. Yeah. But they all said they would stand behind me as the best person to manage this issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I, I had lunch with Jean Paul. Yeah. And, um, and I, 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 I broached the subject. I thought, this, you know, this is, this is it, you know, act, act swiftly but with fairness. So I, I just sort of laid out the issue. I told him that I'd been speaking to Gilles, right? Yeah. And he almost leapt across the table and hugged me. <laughs> uh, when he realised that he was able to step down as GM without losing face, but still be part of the management team. Yeah, okay. Um, and it, it turned out that he was only fulfilling the GM's role out of respect to his uncle. Okay. And he actually felt uncomfortable and ill-prepared. So his, his heart really wasn't in the job in the first place. Was in it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it was a <clears throat> a surprising win-win. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 when I went back to the business, I went back with Jean Paul. Yeah. And oh God, talk about a look of absolute, uh, you know, surprise on the face of the management team that we'd reached a satisfactory conclusion. Yeah, they 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 almost expected that World War Two was going to restart. Right. Um, but Jean Paul was still in the management position. Right. Uh, and and Andre very quickly assumed the role of GM. Right. Okay. Right. So, so it, it is very much a win-win here that you obviously managed uh, for Gilles to back out, uh, and also that having Andre take over from Jean Paul, good good outcome. So basically, it's a fully managed business with a sort of hands-off approach from the from the family at that point in time uh great project i finished yep. what i was doing i left the business it was all running well yeah you, know, um, you, you sort of go tick 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 i said it's a win-win it actually yep. turned out to become a win-win-win ah uh, so what's the third win we've had two wins so so there's a, another part to this. Uh, it's about two years later. I was back in Paris. I had some time on my hands, and I thought, yeah. well, I'm going to go and spend a weekend in the Loire Valley yeah. at, that, at that 18th century chateau again. As one does. Uh, yeah. As one does, yeah. <laughs> you know? So uh, it was one of those situations where I had to be in Paris on the Friday and I had to be in Paris on the Monday. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I just thought, right, that's what I'm going to do. So, And I thought while I was there, I thought, 
I'll, I'll just give John, yeah, Andre a call and um, just just see how he's going on. And Andre was absolutely delighted that I'd stayed in touch, and, and he invited me to lunch over at Gilles' farmhouse, promising that there would be a surprise for me when we got there. Right. And I, I thought, all right, okay, now what? Going <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> to spring one on so, you. So, so Andre picked me up from my hotel, and uh, lo and behold, uh, he's got Jean Paul with him. Right. As well, right? Okay. Uh, and we drove we drove off through the picturesque countryside to Gilles Farm. And what was really good to see was the relaxed and comfortable relationship between Andre and Jean Paul. Right. It, they they were good old friends and they were, yeah. you know, working well together. And that was pleasing, I'll tell yeah. you. We got to the farmhouse, uh, Mrs. Gilles had got a sumptuous lunch set up on the on the terrace outside and moments later <clears throat> we're greeted by Gilles who appeared out of a large farm building dressed in a scruffy pair of overalls this is where the surprise was revealed because I'm sitting there thinking okay what's Gilles been doing in dirty old overalls you yeah know, I think myself well probably he's been tinkering with an old car or something like that nope <clears throat> He was doing exactly what he'd started doing 30 years previously. Right, okay. This big old barn was now an engineering shop floor, and all of those small runs of components that he'd tried putting on his old business that had caused him so much disruption, yep. Gilles was actually producing them himself in his big shed for his friends. <laughs> okay, all right. And, okay. and better still... He was a subcontractor to his own business. Okay. So that when they had small runs that were ah, unprofitable yeah. or, or, or yeah. so little, little little bespoke type things. Yep. Yeah, all the small stuff. Yeah. They just subcontracted to Gilles. God, what um, a good relationship. That's a pretty darn good outcome, isn't it? And and what they what the business had done yeah. to help this enterprise, if you like is that Jill was as happy as a pig in the proverbial yes. uh, with all of his machines and making things, which is how he started the business in the first place. Yeah. And his, and his old business had provided the administration, invoicing and finance support as an in-kind service to him. Okay. So, <laughs> so in a sense, really happy employees because they now owned a successful engineering business. Yeah. Very happy John Paul. Yes. Very happy Andre. Right? Yeah. Chaos and chaos and frustration eliminated. Yes. Um, very happy Gilles because he was doing what he loved doing. Always loved what he was doing. Yeah. Um, always loved doing what Getting he was doing. Getting his hands dirty. Yeah. A bit like you, you meeting your man that was making, you know, uh, carriages, carriages for the for the queen. Yeah. But not least, but not least, a very happy Mrs. Gilles. Because, right. Because she disappeared into the shed. <laughs> I have to ask you, Robert, you know, out of all the M&A sort of initiatives you worked on, this sounds like the happiest or most joyous one that you possibly worked on. Would I be right it, in saying that? Yeah, it was. There was another one that we'll get on to 
sometime with that, which again, another connection to what you did at the weekend. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I actually did some work for an engineering firm on Sandringham Estate. Ah, yeah, okay. Estate, right? That, that, that sounds like another story there. <laughs> it definitely is. So, Robert, uh, I'm interested here. You know, you're telling the story. Now, is this because you're interested in perhaps getting similar engagements in Nice or Avignon or, I, I don't know, know, or other exotic uh, locations? Well, I, I actually thought that, that there were projects out there that you and I might take, Toby. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I was thinking Nice, Avignon, you know, Lucerne. Right, sounds Tuscany, very good. Sounds fine by me. La Rioja, <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, well, that's all, that sounds great, Robert. You know, obviously, it's a great story. m and is always so fraught with problems. And here you've had a management buyout, a proper sort of stakeholder agreement, corporatizing a business. It sounds like a, a very positive, good outcome, which is great. For the people listening to this, what do you think are the sort of like the big lessons? If you just listed just a few, what are the big ones? Just one-liners. I think it's a perfect opportunity here to reiterate those words of advice I had all those years ago. When you've made a decision to act, Act swiftly, but do so with fairness. Right. If you're going to make organisational change in a business, make sure it's permanent, but more importantly, make sure you get buy-in. Yes, very true. You've got um, to get that buy-in. Yeah. And you, within that, you've got to consider the cultural aspects because if you don't, they'll come back and bite you. Yes, yes, very true. It's, it's interesting. This one actually required, if I was going to say on your behalf, Robert, this required a lot of emotional intelligence on your side to make this particular initiative successful. Look, I would say yes, but, you know, as you and I know, Toby, strong communication skills is, is one of the backbones of, you know, people need to understand what's happening, how they're impacted, why decisions have been made and so on. And, and if, if you've got that transparency of communication in, in any project, it's always going to pay dividends. And I think that will be my closing remark. Very good indeed. You know, Robert, that's it's, this is a, an amazing story, by the way, because you've painted an incredible picture of this whole setting, you know, there in the Loire Valley and a fabulous sort of family-run business that moved into sort of corporate hands and management team. Yeah. There were some issues, but those were overcome. And in actual fact, the final end was better than what anybody could possibly hope for. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, but you could, it's also very easy to see that it could have gone completely badly. It, it could have gone down very badly. And um, it's it's a great story. So, yeah, we that's a, that's a good one, Robert. Very good indeed. Terrific. Well, I, I hope that our readers have enjoyed listening to that one. Uh, yep. I'm sure we're going to be back next week with another war story on M&A. Um, yep. So uh, uh, as always, grateful to our listeners, grateful for the positive feedback that we continue to get about this podcast. And I think that's just time to close it off as usual and say bye for now. Bye.